and welcome to episode 255 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over in Oakland, California. He goes by the name of Randy Michael Stat. Randy, how was your 4th of July yesterday as we were recording on the 5th? Oh, it was great, man. I uh, just hung out and drank some beers and uh, walked around outside and um, fell asleep at 10 p.m. What about you? How many, how many beers? Uh, I don't know, like four or five. Russell, John, the Fisherman. How do you rate? How do you rate Randy's Fourth of July beer drinking experience? It sounds good. I'm uh, still hurt. He didn't invite us, though. I had three and a quarter. <laughs> What'd you do with the remaining three quarters? Still in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Do you? You do every. You you either you either go nothing or you go too far. Yeah. I know. I'm working on it. Are you? Trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at least aware of it now. Are you aware of Wolf about it? <laughs> I'm a werewolf of Wall Street, dude. Oh, that would be a better movie. I know. <laughs> oh, that's I don't know. Movie. It's pretty good already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's, how would Scorsese do with a werewolf movie? <laughs> Who are you asking? I don't know. I don't think he's he's good with genre, besides like I, gangster movies. You know, you didn't like Shutter Island, dude. Uh, I've seen it maybe once and don't really remember it at all. Russell, I imagine you hated Shutter Island. Uh, why? Because you are Mister uh, Stay in Your Lane <laughs> guy. No, I I watched it in the theater. I had fun. I thought it was well made. It was a little like contained and predictable. Hey, Cape Fear's good. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen it, honestly. Cape Fear? Yeah, I think I own a few DVD copies of it. I've never watched it. I'm, I'm fine with Cape Fear. Yeah, I heard it's good. Yeah, Shutter Island was just kind of... I don't. I like the enigma. I like to linger with something and not have an answer and kind of come to my own conclusion. Sure. That's, it's not that movie. Yeah. It's pretty cut and paste. For like, sure. Yeah. That's the only thing. Well, you know, it probably cost $100 billion. Yeah. Well acted, beautiful location. Yeah. yeah, everybody did great. All right. Still three stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're waiting on. Uh, no, our our Fourth of July was pretty good. We had a, a little get together over here at the house. We probably had anywhere from I don't know six to forty seven people here. I really didn't keep a count. How many people we have? Like ten, twelve, five. I don't know. Too many. Let's call it too many. <laughs> That's what I'll say. And everyone was out there on that deck. It made me very nervous. Yeah, the deck held up. The deck is held up, but Randy, I watch a lot of uh, near-death videos, and <laughs> there was a near-death video I watched uh, several weeks ago where an entire wedding party was outside on a cliffside deck, and that deck collapsed. <laughs> so that's all I thought about seeing all my friends and people I had just met, and frankly, if I lost them, it really wouldn't be any consequence to me, but... If the two people sitting across from me, I would be I would be distraught for hours. I think you're lying about both of those. Also, <laughs> we had a holiday party that honestly, it's probably the biggest thing we do. Like personally, we, you know, bring podcast guests in and like real. Fr- I mean, everybody on this show turns into a real friend. But, eh. you know, last year we had a different deck tell, or two years ago. Tell Benson and Moore had that. I know. Right. Their invite still goes out every year. They just have never rescinded. <laughs> and. We, you know, when we first moved into this location, our deck was um, 
I think rickety is a fair way to describe it. It was of a brown, rotten-looking wood that uh, would move with the wind and definitely with any footstep that hit it. Yeah. And I, I just remember at the end of 2019, that Christmas party, we had one of the guests who was here yesterday drunk and jumping up and down on the deck going, I think it's holding up fine, as you could clearly see him. going lower and lower as he landed each time we're like dude you're gonna fall through the hill like you're gonna die can we get him a new sweatshirt (laughs) he only wears the one sweatshirt that is the only piece of clothing i ever see him wear no he's got two it's the same logo (laughs) (laughs) he's got two of the same one well he's got a third one with his face on (sighs) and again we're talking about our friend over at barely functional gamers yeah apps name yeah, love you, Chris. Also, are you going to intro Oksana? Oksana, Valerianova Osachi is in the room. Yesterday, you saw, for the first time, a motion picture called Jaws. Your thoughts? I did. There was, <laughs> there was a lot of outrage on my Instagram post when I said I'd never watched it before. It really was. <laughs> Very active post. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen it parodied for years. Um, and I've heard that like no, 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 that music forever. Um, and it was, I don't know. It was like great. I don't know what else to say. I was, I was, um, surprised how gory it was. Yeah. And how much you saw the shark. I thought the shark looked great. Um, there was some of the people who came over were saying like, yeah, the shark looked dumb, especially if you saw it at Universal Studios, um, like the machine or whatever the robot well, that's version. Not- I know. Who said that? I don't know. It's th- you know. It's pretty regular, like conjecture. Who's, who said that? Because they're not allowed back at this house. <laughs> no, I actually don't know. I heard it, but it's one of those things where it's like if you're a casual film fan, I don't think you really appreciate the fact that there was like a twenty foot five long shark yeah. in the ocean to you know film a movie. Randy, when was the last time you you saw Jaws? Not that long ago. I think I maybe rewatched it during uh, the pandemic. It's great, right? Yeah, it still holds up. Man, we had so Russell and I were talking about in the kitchen afterwards. Like that was just so much fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I I was kind of getting like emotional during it too. It's a movie made to be watched with people. I had, I had not. uh, Admittedly, I had not seen Jaws in at least fifteen years. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. Yeah, I mean. I haven't seen it since I had taken a film uh, theory class or anything. Like, I just, I look at film I could watch it every year, no problem. Yeah. You know, I, I got it mixed up with um, the birds, where it's like, you don't see birds for a long time during the movie. But this one, I was like, oh, you see that thing right away. Well, the birds you do, too. But it, it's, like, different, right? And well, like, Hitchcock said that he put birds in there just to shut the audience up. Yeah. So they would show him on like a telephone line and he'd be like, they're coming. Yeah. Don't worry. He showed a lot of birds. Yeah. I, Too many. I, I mostly. Also, can we agree that the birds kind of sucks? I like the birds. Eh. Yeah. I like Ready. the birds. Why? <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> it's good. I don't know, man. I It's articulating like the lack of control of nature. I feel like it's very long. It's pretty long. I mean. It's good. I don't know. I like it. It's lower. I like the look. I like Bodega Bay. Like, there's a lot the of the look about- is good, but yeah. I don't know. Some the, the and I like Tippy Hedren. Now, with, when we were watching Jaws, did it did it come through your mind that you know that movie had imprinted the found footage genre in such a way? Like, I know we talked to Dean Aliato about it, but that made it through to Paranormal Activity. Yeah, which like you know that 
that swell is it's just jaws again and it's it's weird because it really is an indicator to the audience directly like hey this one's not fake because there are moments in that movie where they're like oh there's a shark but you don't hear the music right and, and you just know like oh the they're fucking getting fooled right now yeah yeah, it's interesting. I don't know because that that tool really did change found footage because you don't have that shit in the Blair Witch. But you know, yeah, Paranormal Activity changed it completely. Um, also, talking about the look of uh, the birds, were you, did you bring up the Sparks Brothers because of what Randy's wearing? Yeah, yeah, he's got his breathless <laughs> shirt yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Did you want to? So, Randy, we, we've done a very poor job of explaining um, why. Or selling this, it to you. Yeah, selling the Sparks Brothers documentary. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they did a, a whole album. Uh, wh- what was it? like? A, it was a concept album about Bergman? Yeah, about Bergman. Okay. Well, they wanted to do one on Godard. Yeah. Because they were big, like, they were, you can tell, too, that documentary does a good job of showing the French New Wave influence on the band. And, uh, yeah, when we left that theater, I was like, you know, we got to, we got to talk to Randy about this shit. And then we just didn't bring it up. Also, Randy, they had a movie deal uh, that fell through. Um, they did obviously did. The, they were not able to make the film, uh, but with Jacques Tati. Really? Yeah. They had written the script that uh, Jacques Tati was supposed to direct. And huh. uh, that never uh, materialized. Also, there was another. Was there another film that, that didn't go through? I think they have one coming out. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, the, yeah. so they uh, have collaborated with uh, Leos Carrix, and Randy is familiar with this because he he's a fan of Mr. Carrix, um, so he knows about Annette. Yeah, you know, now that we're talking about it, that Sparks documentary, it really seems designed for like diehard fans who needed answers of why they stopped putting out albums at like brief points in their career. And it's like, oh yeah, they threw everything into the script and it didn't happen. Or like, oh yeah, they had a rough time for six years where they, you know, didn't put out anything. Well, they've still made twenty five <laughs> albums. Oh, for sure. That's why if you're like a diehard, you're like, dude, they're overdue, man. Are they dead? Like, what's going on? And then, you know, thanks to Edgar Wright, we now know. Yeah. Spark Brothers. It's gonna be out in August. Annette, August sixth. Oh. Oh, wide is it? Because it's playing Khan. Yeah. I don't, it just says release date August sixth of this year. Huh? Well, I hope it looked cool. How many tomatoes does it currently have? Has it screened at Can? Randy is Can. I happen? don't know if it has yet. I know can, it's, is can, can is happening now? currently. I don't know if Annette has shown Ooh, yet. We need to get down to the south of France. All right, figure it out, Oksana. Come back to us. I don't know, Randy. Would you go to Can? Do you get a tux? Are you a tux guy? You're <laughs> what? What was I wore tux? I can? don't know. Probably like a wedding or something. No, <laughs> did I wear a tux to a wedding? I don't know. I don't think I've ever worn a tux. Can I wear a tux to a funeral? Is that bad taste? You tell me you grew <laughs> up in a mortuary. I don't think it's been done. Really? Randy, Google that. Has anyone <laughs> wore a tux to a funeral? Yeah, I'm not a big, not a big suit or tux guy. Oh. So, what are you, Justin Timberlake? All right, what's the scoop? They're going to be opening cans with Annette. Oh. Okay, that, that's August 6th. So a can's not happening. What's happening? <laughs> you know what? It's the U.S. release, I think. So the can cans is tomorrow, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Maybe you it's know, playing some other festival in the U.S. How about that? <laughs> How about we cancel cans? Oh. Fuck them. Call it cannot. 
Go, go, go. All right. Anything else before we uh, do your segment? Also, I have a very, very small piggyback to your to the TBR report today. Okay. Just let me know. Um, and uh, uh, anything else? I don't know. Fourth of July was a lot of fun. We did watch a lot of movies, though. Oh, also, today is my mother's birthday. We will go around the room, and everyone will wish my mother happy birthday. Randy, you start. Happy birthday, Clark's mom. You don't listen to this, though, so. Happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Russell, you go. Happy birthday, Mama Little. <laughs> it's Thornton now. Mama Little Thornton. She lost, the, she lost the name of the divorce. She lost the little? Dad got the name back. <laughs> she happily gave it back to him. <laughs> okay, Oksana, your turn. Happy birthday. There we go. All right. Um. Yeah, and, you know, another weird tradition we have is doing, like, barbecues like that are themed with a menu and a marathon. It kind of turned into that yesterday. Um, we didn't have a themed menu. Actually, we kind of got bullied into it by friends, but it turned out to be a lot of fun. And we ended up screening in this order, uh, Return of the Living Dead, Team America, World Police, Jaws, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and then Scary Movie. And um, Randy, out of, out of those five movies, how do you think I watched? 1.25. Two full movies. Oh, nice. More yeah, you did I two expect. full movies. Two full movies. Yeah, and he, um, very little phone time, too. I think Jaws got like 99% of your attention. Well, I had not seen Team America in a very long time, and I had also not seen Jaws in probably an even longer time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I had just remembered, so Team America, I used to listen to that soundtrack religiously because <laughs> it was on my old phone. And when I got my new phone, I just, and then I remembered that I haven't listened to these songs in forever. Yeah. Um, the uh, Pearl Harbor sucked and I miss you. That was good. Yep. I love that one. Yeah. Team America is great. How do you think it aged? You think you can get I mean, away with screening it's, that it's movie? problematic. <laughs> you know, is and it? I, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, problematic is like uncomfortable because well, I feel like they take shots. So here, here's my thing. Ultimately, it can't exist because I think those two guys are grandfathered in. Okay. I think, I think, I mean, dude, South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are, are they're, they're, they're okay. But they've never been like an easy pill to swallow. Right. They, yeah. They've etched their own thing now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that they could do this today. I, I, but I think that they would, they would bring something different to the table as well, for sure. So, you know, this whole argument, it's, it's sort of a, you know, moot point. You know, what was it? Rogan was talking with Tarantino about like, oh, you can't make super bad today, and Quentin's like, you can make whatever the fuck you want to, dude. I, I did. I talk about it on the show. I know I briefly did when we were um, doing our post screening at the Roxy cast but man i tarantino is such a breath of fresh air with that stance i loved it so much he won me over by just being true to himself in a way that like i'm down to revisit his collection now with like new eyes like i'm older he's older i need to watch death proof again. I, and i think you know the thing about like matt stone and trey parker is it's not that they're part of like the biased warfare that we have now where it's like super binary because they made everybody mad. Yeah. And they, they spread the wealth. Is that, is that the key? I think so. You got to piss off everybody. Well, and then well, I'm like, oh, it's right. shitty when you're like picking a team. Yeah. Because ultimately 
like if you believe in any of like uh larger politics or like things don't work then you know that it works on like a universal level it's no one party's problem and uh they you know they shoot from the hip everywhere and it's so cognitive too it's so smart like that movie shouldn't be timely but you watch it and you're kind of like man they're so ahead of the game on everything yeah like they just really understand it i don't know it was it was great i'm glad you suggested it because i hadn't even thought of it i was like this will work fourth of july yeah i was kind of going hack town with all the like traditional horror movie picks that people have i mean look say what you will about jaws being hack town for fourth of july but it's a perfect time to watch it, and it's a great movie. And it paired really well with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Because they're oh. both like they're both beach town movies, I and d- you get a lot of boat activity. Like just uh as far as you know, location wise, they really blended well. Now, tonally and craft wise, yeah. It's it, there's an interesting conversation to what happened to the blockbuster. And you know, Kevin Williamson making a remake of his own script a year later with that film. It's kind of like Oh, you can see the studio system getting kind of corrupt here in like a an art afterthought. Yeah. So I don't know. It was interesting. And uh, I do love, I know what you did last summer. That's nice. And it's so <laughs> imbued with like the Waynes brothers and the way that they parodied it in Scary Movie is why we had to go there. Now, I, I would have, I would have rewatched Scary Movie. It's been quite some time. What a well-crafted film. And, you know, I actually, I was reading an interview after about why the Waynes brothers departed after part two. Oh, looks like they got pushed out by our uh, favorite producer who's in jail. Bill Cosby's out. No. <laughs> Did he produce films? He produced a indie car driver. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure he produced movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. All right. You never saw Jello the movie, dude? You know what? I should bring it up here, too, just so I don't bring it up later. I watched um, Fear Street when it dropped on uh, Netflix. Because they did like the midnight oh, premiere. Fear Street 1980, whatever. Yeah. No. Was 90 it something. I think it's 94. Yeah, it was 90 something. 94? 94. Yeah, 94. When we get when the yep, 94. Dude, I'll tell you, they had a Temple of the Dog poster on the wall. Oh, boy. And I was like, we're here. All the music, too. We're it was very on. timely. Like, do I need to watch this? They had the Credence Clearwater of it's, like yeah, 70s movies. It's oh, Needle boy. Drop City, bro. Yeah, but I'll tell you. Um, so don't Trump, don't ever say that. Fear Street, you know, it was kind of the older product out of uh Mr. Stein. And I think they nailed that tonally. Like it's not it's not for children, but it's not for adults either. And it like if I was 16, dude, I would have fucking loved it. And I, you know, I did like it anyway. It was a little bit too long for a midnight screening, but uh I had a lot of fun. Me and Oksana hung out with Terrell and we just we fucking enjoyed it i I passed out to be honest but yeah me too <laughs> but i came back and i watched it the next day i think the the copious amounts of like 90s hits or whatever it it kind of stopped the first quarter of the movie like and then they stopped going like song to song to song Eh, a little bit it did pop back up and i'll tell you netflix knows what's hits dude. kind of appreciated it being like that's when i was like developing and i'm like oh I can kind of like feel like it didn't feel like a nest. Like to be clear, it was not Stranger Things season two where it's like nostalgia town. It was just the music and the posters, but whatever. It was fine. And the clothes and the hair. And I really, not I really not liked it. in the cars. Not and the really. Politics and the food. 
having just watched I Know What You Did Last Summer, it actually wasn't that 90s. Like, the outfits in that movie from... What would Doug Benson say about I it? Did, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, but that's it. So, um, you good? No more intro? I'm not good, but we could continue. I'm not just... I mean, I'm good with this. All right. Then uh, <laughs> let's have our buddies start the show officially. Come on, come on in. All right. Good morning. It's July 5, 2021, and it's a Monday. Every day is a great day for burgers, hot dogs, and freedom. Everyone, have a great day. All right. Thanks, Thanks very, very to the point. I, I now have a new idea of how we can uh, utilize this segment. I'll speak to you after this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to fire him already? No, I just have a new idea. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, David. All right. It's time for the... Now, this, this TBR report... <sighs> you, you've started uh, queuing me in on, on some of these now. Yeah. Um, I gave this a valiant effort up to a point. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I do not intend to finish... Um, but I have cheated um, a certain to a certain extent, but not the cheat in which you would automatically assume. Okay, I I, I reached out for supplemental materials. Okay, I get it. In um, in some aspects, Oksana, can you divide two hundred and thirty by sixty for me? Just just tell me like whenever you get that. All right. Um. Then before you start, let's uh, go ahead and jump into what might be the uh, newly renamed segment of the uh, TBARG report. <laughs> the TBARG report. <laughs> you added an extra R in there. I, I came up with it on the way upstairs because I think it might work in a broad sense for everything we talk about because, okay. So the idea of this segment was to team up with Thomas Burke found footage filmmaker and uh, you know, us were the creative geniuses and programmers behind the uh, unnamed footage festival. Hell yeah. And I really wanted a like ambassador out into weirder, fringier found footage films and things we should be looking at. And uh, Thomas sent me an email for the seventh edition. I'll go ahead and read a little bit from it. Hey, y'all. This week, I have a creepy pasta web series that I'm recommending called Petscope, released on YouTube. Okay, stop. It's Petscop. It's pet. I've heard it pronounced it's different Petscop. Ways. Okay. 100%. Called Petscop. Well, look, he also put one L in called. I'm doing a little Tommy. bit. Tommy. Like- <laughs> Sorry, you had to go down with me, Tom. All right. Called uh, Petscop, released on YouTube in 2017. The video follows protagonist Paul as he explores and documents a supposedly long-lost PlayStation video game titled Pets Cop. Soon, Paul discovers that in the game may be linked to his actual own past. Now, Thomas wrote a bunch here. He even included a bio from uh, or a summary from Wikipedia. I'm not going to read any of that. And mainly because he's coming at it from like an internet sleuth who's kind of in the creepypasta world and understands what ARGs are. But I think we need to set this up a little bit differently because we mostly, you know, talk about film here. So what we're dealing with is a collection of 24, actually it might be a couple more, I think 24 videos uploaded on YouTube 
over four years. That range anywhere from like two minutes to 30 minutes. Two minutes to 44 minutes. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so you open up the first video and you're greeted with the PlayStation 1 opening, which uh, if you're of my age, if you're a early millennial, it's a very familiar tune. They get you hard, bro. And well, you, it's kind of like no context because you know with the film, you don't normally just start with like, I don't know. It, you do. Oh man. So I'll tell you, I started watching this after we recorded last week, and I've been living with it all week, and I'm still trying to like wrap my head around the best way to present it. Now, if you go online and you just jump on YouTube and put in Pets Cop, it. You'll you'll get a bunch of videos. First, you might be surprised that this ARG that you probably never heard of has over 2 million views. And what's even weirder is that the whole narrative, you would, to understand the story, you'd have to go through every video and really pay attention. And there's over 24, and the views vary. So at some point, you get the problem that I always articulate here with YouTube, where they have channels that are just built out of you know, the witch explained. And all they do is talk about like, here's what the movie's really about. So it's kind of like an abridged version. So you have like a character, like a, a YouTuber just telling you what the movie is. I hate this shit. And Pets Cop has a million of them. And dude, they all have like hundreds of thousands of views. There's one video that I watched that had 11 million views. Dude, it had... It had, what, 10 times the amount, not 10, it had uh, five times the amount of views that the actual, like, video had. So, I think we'd be best, we'd serve people best trying to articulate what this is, which I'm clearly already failing to do now. So, you jump into Petscope, you're greeted with the PlayStation um, startup screen, like we're playing a game. So, instantly, it reads as Let's Play. Then we hear a narrator who I can only describe as uh, reminds me of John Wilson from uh, How To. He seems kind of like a nerd. He's probably not the best narrator you could like if you're going to hire somebody, which adds credibility, kind of like a personal interaction you're having. And what they do is they articulate that they've found this game. They've never seen it anywhere else online or anything. And uh, we're looking at the menu of, of Pets Cop. And they run you through it. It's kind of like a Pokemon um, top-down game where you run through a very dreamy, unpopulated town. You got to catch them all. And you're looking for eight of 48 pets that are uh, out. And everything from the very moment this game begins, are they're giving you signals and clues and things just don't feel right. And if you're in the ARG like world, you already know, like, you got to pay attention. If you're a casual viewer, which I know most of the people that are hearing this right now probably don't even, you, you probably know what an ARG is. If you've never tracked one down or tried to like enjoy one, I'm, I really want you to try this one. Is there ARG porn? I mean, Randy looked it up on your browser now. I think porn would fall in the world of ARG anyway, because a lot of Thanks, it. Thanks, mom. Well, a lot of it is, it's POV. And uh, you no, know, it, yes, it is. No, but it, I'm being serious. And it's a good one. Well, the whole idea is like, you know, uh, what, what's a cliche like pizza delivery man or something. <laughs> what they're doing is they're offering you a alternate reality, like fantasy. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, instead of, I mean, we are like beasts after all of earthly descent. So it, it's help. It helps our imagination. If we can see something like all film. Sure. It also helps our imagination that it's someone else's dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's part of the fantasy, dude. Well, here's the thing. Well, notice that you may see the wiener, but you won't see the face of the dude. Like that's correct. Yeah. Because again, they're, they're giving that's you, fine. An, we know our role. An empty vessel to step into. Exactly. Now, an empty vessel yet a full penis. Now, uh, Tom Thomas Burke mentioned in the beginning of this that it's a creepy pasta web series. Now, the reason I think Petscope is so popular, there's a bunch of um, urban legends like of late millennial creation that involve video games, and I remember coming across one that was a Pokemon horror story and the idea was that somebody was playing the game boy game and they encountered something unique and it's not scary at first but you know you start interacting with like a digital ai or like a ghost in the game and at the time i was like this is fucking dumb kind of the reaction you just gave me where you're like oh scary you're playing pokemon but there's a whole there's a whole genre on the internet of this um our buddies over at the Blob Show, they've been covering Majora's Mask. There's a really popular one called Ben Drowned. That's about a dude who buys a bootleg copy. I know about Ben. Okay, yeah. He buys a bootleg copy of Majora's Mask that doesn't have the game sticker on it at a garage sale. And uh, it's kind of him interacting with the saved file on there and like a glitched out game. And that's what we're dealing with here. So if you're a fan of like puzzles or even just like, oh, dare I say it, like a Lynchian narrative. Randy likes both of those things. And Randy, I would say like if you come into Pets Cop with a open heart, well, open mind, but patience. And a, like if you look at it as an art house film, oh, man, it fucking works. Now, I'll tell you. So he does a tutorial. He runs around the beginning of the game. Actually. I should point out that um, the game's very upbeat, PlayStation 1 friendly. I actually pulled the music from the beginning uh, level just to give you like an atmosphere. Now I'm going to play it. Here, let's start it. The thing that worried me is with a lot of ARGs, you got to hide the creator factor. So I don't know who made this. I didn't look too deeply into that. But there is a band camp with the whole soundtrack and they allow donations. So I'm a little worried that like somebody might care about the music. So you gave them half an Ethereum. I'm probably going to... No, you don't pay an Ethereum there. Also, Ethereum's backup. I wouldn't do that. Um, but this is a very upbeat video game music, and everything looks very correct. Somebody did a great job building out this game. And the first video, it it's illustrating this dude navigating a game that looks incomplete. Yeah. And he takes you as far as he can get before mentioning that the game that was sent to him had a note in it and it said, Hey, go into this certain room, press start, and then do this combo. Kind of like the uh, traditional up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, ABBA thing, except it's like down, 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 right, right, select A. And this like really friendly music that uh, you've been enjoying right now just gets cut and you're kind of left with all of the visual goofy bouncing i don't know very geometric 
animals. And it doesn't take long for everything to instantly become creepy. Like the game that was designed to be fun for children has now like we've broken it. And our narrator says, yeah, pretty much the music just stops. But if you walk outside, you're not in like cloud town anymore. And you're just, you're at like a little wooden door in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And he's like, uh, this is, you know, I can't figure out what to do from here. I've run around for hours and I'd never found anything. And the video ends with him running for 15 minutes, not in real time. He does time elapse this thing, thankfully. And he finds another door and it's a shed going underground, but he can't figure out how to open it. And the video ends there. And how far did you make it, Clark? I'm curious before. So what I do know is that in this entire segment, which you've been talking for uh, several minutes. I know. You have only covered the first eight minutes of this two and a half hour venture and not even in depth. Like yeah. you can point out there, you know, it's a video game. So when you're walking through the tutorial, it'll say like, you know, press triangle and up and the triangle button will look like it's vibrating differently than the other buttons. And it's like, you could dive into that for five minutes. Alone. I made it to pets cop 11. Oh, you made it pretty far. Thank you so much. Now, was it interesting to you at all? To a degree. Okay. Now, the second video, because I've only covered the first one, starts with um, the same image we were left on in video one, uh, our character standing next to the door that's shut, and then you hear a little chime, and the door opens, and our narrator comes back and he said, hey, I, you know, I just left the game going, and it opened on its own. He's like, I've never been down here, but uh, I started recording, and you know, let's look around. And it's like a completely different type of world. All the like bright, fun colors of the uh, the game tutorial are replaced with like earthen tones. We're in a basement. It looks very uncomfortable. Like we've switched to like a horror setting. And here's where we spend most of our time. And I'll tell you, when I first heard about this ARG, when I was talking to Thomas, in my head, I'm like, all right, I already know where this is going to go. It'll be a video game. Uh, he'll figure out that the programmer knows him or something and we'll navigate the game and there'll be some like message hidden in there. Some true crime horror will be revealed. And um, so I watched it all, which I think actually is over three hours. If you combine everything together. And honestly, I couldn't tell you definitively what it's about. Yeah. But I know it. it's fucking it's. Randy, it's one of those things where the last video is a 45-minute soundtrack upload, and if you make it to the last two minutes, there's a little clip that changes everything that happened in the story. And if you've really been hanging with it, there's a moment that gives me goosebumps. I'm thinking about it right now. Um, our narrator's talking to an audience like any Let's Play person, and then he discovers something, and he addresses singular audience member. And, and instantly, as a found footage fan, I was like, oh, this isn't a Let's Play video. Like, this is being recorded for somebody. The whole fucking thing, over all three hours of it, there it's loaded with that kind of shit. Where everything in this game is a metaphor or it's an alternate reality in, like, in-world, I mean. It, dude, I don't know. I was blown away. I would love to figure out how the fuck you write something like this. And then release it over four years. Were they programming the game? Yeah. 
I was thinking about that too, because if you uh, peruse the YouTube comments, which I have collected a few here, um, I saw one, I think it was like between, it was on Pets Cop, I think 10, and they had waited six months. Okay. And they were like six months and this is it. Yeah. And it's like a four minute video. And uh, there's like, all right, guess I'll wait another six months. And people did. I today, I finished it today. It took me a week to really like get through this thing. And I went on, I did exactly what you did. And I started looking at comments and somebody mentioned the subreddit. And there are over 50,000 people in there. Oh, yeah. Who there's a dedicated. Yeah. But see, these, I'm not, I'm not entrenched. Well, I, tangentially have become entrenched in this community um however it's it's not something that prior to our event yeah um no idea any of this was happening now the reason i was uh you joking kids in ab- your internet the reason i was joking about the tb arg report is because a couple weeks ago when randy was talking about how he couldn't really fully suspend disbelief for a movie mm-hmm. i argued the blair you gotta Witch- work on that randy yeah, I, I argued the, or I, I mentioned that um, the Blair Witch crushed in Australia, having been, you know, completely outed as fictional. And it really changed the audience participation into a knowing, like, we know it's fake, but we're here for the ride. And I think found footage and even like Pets Cop is that. Well, it crushed in Australia only because of the heat and they just <laughs> wanted to go inside and get away from all the mice and spiders that yeah. are over. That's a fair point. Trenching their country. But the thing is, you know, you as a listener right now and as a film fan, ask yourself, like, can I, can I negotiate with the narrative and really just come along for the ride? And I mean, the difference between a found footage movie and an ARG online that's born out of like YouTube videos is the level of involvement. Like a movie, like you just watch The Blair Witch and maybe you could talk about it. But like Clark said, he went to the comment section. Now, I'll tell you, because we do the Unnamed Footage Festival, I would love to show a thing like Pets Cop. And I'd really like to navigate like avant-garde film. Like It's a narrative. It's a visual narrative. But it wasn't made to be a movie. And it also was born out of a video game. And I'm like, I don't think there's anything like that. But it could play in a theater. And I don't know if it would play well. But I think it would be fucking interesting. I, I every year we have this conversation about are we punishing our audience? This one, aha. Uh-huh. Well, I don't this know. This is the Guantanamo Bay. If you want to have a screening, I think it's up to the. This is waterboarding. It's up to the programmer to you know tell people what they're getting into, and also to present it correctly. Now, you know, I this eventually this clip will be up on YouTube and I'm interested to anybody listening. Who's like an at home, agoraphobic ARG lover. Like, would you be enticed to come out to a theater also as a film program or and a film lover? I think you would have to add more to this to make it proper. And I think important things to note would be the distance between videos being uploaded. Like, I think as a film programmer, we would need to add like a prompt, like a found footage prompt that would end it and then be like six months later, give the date and then, you know, go into the video. Yeah. And I also think it might be worth it to even show comments like popular comments, because that's a big part of this interaction. 
because you watch this fucking weird video and it captures you. And the first thing you do, like you did, is you go down to the comments. You're like, what do other people think? This wasn't the first thing I did because I was watching on my, um, I just had the idea of looking at the comments because I was watching on my computer today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you cannot see the comments as you're watching on your Apple television. But um, here's what I'll say about Petscop. I love that this exists. I will celebrate things like this. I just don't know if it's aligned with things I enjoy. I, it's great that this is a thing. I love that. And I am, I'm excited that this is a thing that's out there for people to enjoy. It's just, I wasn't locked in. Not saying that I couldn't be. It's just, I think it's a right time, right place. And neither one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I think a theater could be a good venue for it. Because like uh, my new hero <laughs> said, Tarantino. You have to, rev- you have to like be prepared for these things. Exactly. You can't yeah. just dump this on people. No. And that's what I'm saying is you'd have to present it properly. I mean, I we've I mean, San Francisco shown eight hour long Filipino documentaries, you know, biographies about like a moment in history that people. Well, Randy watch. watched the eight hour movie about a horse. Exactly. And honestly, uh, I didn't see the horse and you didn't picture. Even, didn't even race. <laughs> but I think not only would this be worthwhile for films of like avant-garde film or long-form narrative, but I also think it would be interesting to like the people on the internet who find their community on Reddit or in the comment section to enjoy something like this in a theater. And you, who knows, maybe you break it up with an intermission or something. But the difference, the main difference here between a found footage movie and an ARG string of um, videos is the level of participation. This really demands a lot out of the viewer. And you could passively let it wash over you, but it will end and you won't know what the fuck you just watched for over three hours. That's a warning. It's not to turn anybody off. But if you show up, I mean... If you really, really are trying to make an effort to figure out what the fuck's going on, you're going to need a pen and paper because names flash. They come up quick. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's actually frames inserted into the thing. Like one of the one of my favorite quirks about these videos is that the loading screen on the PlayStation is used as a like tone device. Like every now and then you get like like I watched it on the projector downstairs. And I keep it bright just because we're battling a lot of ambient light in that room. And down there at night, one of those loading screens looked like a face. Mm. I came upstairs and watched it on my computer. I could not see it. And we watched one of the, you know, Enigma destroying videos today. And the dude pointed that out. He said, hey, I only noticed this in editing. But if you turn up the brightness, there's a face here. And it's like, that's the type of shit that narratively. Can you confirm this? Oh yeah, and they're all very hard. It's hard to distinguish and grainy looking and like really freaky looking. But also, the beautiful thing about creepy pastas are that they're so dumb. Like the the entrance bar is so low that when they turn into a very effective like true crime narrative, they hit really hard. It's just very few and far between that do that. So I don't know. A- anybody listening, go. Look up Pets Cop. Give it a try. If you watch video one, like just watch the first one through, you'll get an idea. And also, you know, it, it made me think about punishing film 
as kind of like a challenge for a fan base. Like, you know, me and Randy, we'll watch like what anybody could argue is like boring cinema or like slow cinema or just shit where, you know, maybe the technique's interesting, but as far as like an entertaining or piece of entertainment, you know, you'd never refer to it as that. Yeah. And I was thinking it's kind of like a self-indulgence that, um, like, I don't like <sighs> purveyors of the genre would do. And it's kind of like an exclusive club thing. Like, Oh, if you like this movie, you're cool. Yeah. And, uh, I think ARGs are a little guilty of that too, because when you have a video, I mean, some of these are very punishing. Like there will be nothing to look at on the screen, like a redacted square. And then you hear yes. like talking, but the talking is a lightly recorded dude talking on a phone to somebody that you can't hear. And it's like, if you're not down to figure this shit out, you're not going to have a good time. Yes. I'm not a puzzle guy. Yeah. It's a lot of effort and I get it. Like I, I power to you for making it that far. Randy, how are you into the ARG? No, I lost interest 15 minutes ago. <laughs> what about AOC? Uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know anything about her politics really besides that she's just her titties. <laughs> <laughs> she seems, she seems chill. I don't know. Yeah, Randy, I think, I think you'd be lost at the video game, honestly. Like, I think the storytelling attempted here would be interesting to you. I just, the platform, did there's you, something about it. Did you have a PS1, Randy? Uh, No. I was more of a Nintendo household. My man. <laughs> well, you, you got Majora's Mask, uh, Ben Drowned. You could go read that creepy pasta, or you could watch the. Uh, I think I know about Ben Drowned because uh, Nexpo. Oh, probably. You know the main difference between the two? There's no video for Ben Drowned. Oh, really? Like this is a visual story. Yeah. Okay. Pets Cop. I think it really worked because of the uh, effort put in there. Interesting. But yeah, it was. Did you have anything else you want to say about it other than not for you? Here are a, just a few YouTube comments. Um, now, you may think, Russell, that this is a spoiler, but there's no context. So you can't it's spoil a three it. Thing, so. Yeah. Um, this is from Jordan Sucks, S U K S. <laughs> you married her sister, and years later, your friend was reborn as your daughter. Are we watching Doctor Who now? <laughs> From Danny Ruth Van, I like no matter what he. I I like Take no matter. Yeah, no. It, this is a okay. grammatically null sentence. Oh, here we go. I like no. I like how no matter what he doesn't ignore those dumb jewels. Yeah. Okay, so the jewels he's talking about would be the equivalent of like coins in Mario. Yeah. And that's what I thought was most interesting is just the way you interact with the movie is you watch a movie. The way you interact with the video game is you play a video game. So the storytelling part of it is how you interact with this fucking game. And one of the things which I disagree with whoever said that, well, who was it? Danny Ruth Van. Yeah, Danny. The thing is, when you're playing a video game, it's almost like you're a robot. You're there for an objective. You're trying to move on. You're trying to advance. And if the only thing you know how to do in a room is pick the shit up, everybody is going to pick it up. Nobody's going to ignore the coins. Were you waiting for Danny to respond? Oh, no. Chances are Danny's not listening. <laughs> it's also Danny with an I. Oh, okay. Danny California. Thank you so much. All right. And then... 
my favorite is from Dick Dickstein or Dick Dickstein. Not sure what they prefer. Uh, I'm watching these in between diarrhea shits. Good job. <laughs> Are you Dick Dickstein? I am not Dick Dickstein, but Dick Dick Dickstein's Arstein's avatar is a, just of Tom Selleck. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, Pets Cop is not for uh, the Dick Dicks out there. Dick Dick. All right, that concludes the TBR. Good morning. Report. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Go back, David. David, get out of the room. Hello. Where's my button? Here we go. Actually, I don't even need to say it. Tom did it for me. Tom, love you, man. Uh, more ARGs. Let's figure out. We got to find one that would work in a theater. All right. This concludes the TBR report. This concludes the TBR report. No more ARGs. Yeah, I'm good. Why not? I you know watch them. You don't have to watch them. Y'all could talk no. about that on the side. <laughs> Randy, you know, here's the thing. You're supposed to be our pretentious, like groundbreaking, highbrow art dude. You should be on my side here. This is a new avenue of You know cinema. how I feel about YouTube? Well, I, that's why I'm talking about that's taking fair. it off of YouTube. Nah. I put it on Vimeo. It's, it better? started there, bro. You can never yeah, remove but, the YouTube. Now, here's the problem with like. <laughs> the YouTube stank. <laughs> See, now I know there's a lot of other Randys out there. That sounds like religious Randy coming but back. But here's the thing. If people don't know it, then, you know, they can't make that harsh judgment on it. They can feel it. People like me, we, we, we know when something originated on YouTube. Well, then you could do this, too. You can make a faux documentary about the fucking ARG. And just, I mean, you would be recontextualizing everything, but that would then be a movie. Just do a screen you, life of you watching every single one of them and then going through the comments. Oh, well, wouldn't that... Well, screen life on YouTube, wouldn't that be considered YouTube, too? Yeah, but I don't know. Just looking for another avenue for it to be presented. Yeah. A screen life documentary. That's kind of a cool idea. All right. Let's work on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what else we need to work on? What? Randy Michaels segment where he tells us what he watched randy yes sir this is, this is my segment here. yes this morning on the day on the day off to observe the fourth of july on the fifth of july i watched the new abel ferrara film called siberia it's on a vod i think it's like a 5.99 rental uh it's the Remember sixth more. film yeah what's up i said this, I said this reasonable oh yeah, yeah yeah it's not bad and you got a 6-9 in there, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah, this is the sixth film with uh, Willem Dafoe that uh, Abel Ferrara has made. Uh, and it's very much kind of in the same vein of the last couple films that he's made. It seems very uh, personal. Uh, it seems like Abel's definitely like working through some shit um, in his movies um, as of late. Now, Randy, quick, quick uh, interlude here. How many of those have you seen? I think I've seen most of them. I saw Pasolini. Uh, I saw Tommaso, which I really liked. I don't like this as much as Tommaso. Um, Tomato, Tommaso? Tomato, Tommaso. <laughs> I've seen 444, Last Night on Earth. I think I've seen most of them. Now, Randy, do you think that they just like, are the sets pretty similar? Do you think? Do you think <laughs> they just shot all these back to back? No, actually, this one, uh, I think it was shot in Germany. Um, it's actually a really oh, no. good looking film. Um, so basically, 
Um, Willem Dafoe's character, he is a he owns a bar like out in Siberia, hence the title. Um, just kind of a very super remote location, and he's kind of like abandoned like his previous life, not his previous life, but his life wherever he, he came from. He's at a bar. Yeah, and it's like is it cool? It's like in the middle of the the tun- the tundra. There's a lot of snow and a lot of people that come in that don't speak English. Oh, um, like Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. <laughs> yeah. So it's out there, and he's out there. You can tell that he's kind of just, like, dealing with something. He's very, like, a stoic person. Um, and then he, the rest of the movie, uh, he essentially goes out on, like, a journey um, with, like, a dog sled and some, some huskies. And then the movie gets very weird and surreal, and it's kind of, like, uh, like a psychological, surreal type of movie where um he's kind of like revisiting like scenes from his past like his father shows up or you think it's his father and we think it's his wife in a couple scenes and his kids so um yeah it doesn't necessarily all come together but um yeah this was a lot different than um well visually it was a lot different um than the last couple movies i've seen you know he's very good at making kind of like gritty like new york movies um and the last one was in Rome, just felt very, like, realistic. Um, yeah, so it was cool to see him kind of working in, like, a surrealistic, like, almost kind of Lynchian mode. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If you, if you like his stuff, if you like Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe's great in it. Um, I'd check it out, but it's not as good as, uh, as Tommaso. Tomato Tommaso. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, I'm also going to talk about Zola, and Russ is going to uh, hop on with me. No, I hated it. All right, give it a go. I, I haven't seen Zola yet, so y'all take it easy. So, yeah, uh, Zola is a movie based off of some tweets from um, a stripper in uh, 2015 that apparently was very popular. Um, I remember. Okay, that's what this movie is? Yeah. I thought you were going to go pee. I <laughs> You're trying to fake Randy out. Man, I remember this. All right, I need to watch this movie. All right, y'all talk over. Yeah, so I, I hadn't read those, so I really didn't know what the story was. I knew that it was like sort of a road trip movie, um, you know, including some strippers that kind of went on a road trip. Um, features Taylor Page, who plays Zola, uh, and Riley Keough, who plays Stephanie. Um, so essentially, the beginning of the movie, um, you see Zola and um, you see Stephanie, and essentially they meet, sort of, and it seems like uh, Stephanie knows zola or has seen her before but seems kind of strange but um she convinces her to go on a road trip from detroit to tampa to make money uh dancing and stripping um and from there things get very uh sketchy and very weird um movie was shot on 16 millimeter actually too um it looks really really good um and also has a score by mika levi who did um under the skin and jackie like the first moment of score I heard, and I didn't know she did the score, but the first moment of score I heard, I was like, this sounds like a Mika Levi score and was very excited um, to find out that she did the score. But yeah, uh, it starts off kind of not like cute, but it starts off like pretty easy. Um, it very much like evokes the internet in some of the like editing and some of the like uh, sounds and stuff that they're playing. And then, um, yeah, from there it, uh, it gets very tense. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I really dig this. What about you? 
before you, Sorry, before you start, I need to interrupt. Did y'all hear that horrible sound? Yeah, what? I, th- I thought there was a cat somewhere. It sounded like a deep vibration. It sounded like some sort of jackhammer situation. Okay. <laughs> you didn't hear it? No, I didn't hear it. All right. Interesting. I had my headphones on. Um, now. We're under attack. Oh, boy, Randy. I, I was pretty excited to, to hear your thoughts on this. Um, when did you watch it? Uh, I think I saw it Thursday after work in the city. Rad. Okay. So I think I, I did the exact same thing. We went to the Roxy on Wednesday and then I was like, do I want to go out again to the movie? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I did. And that's the film I'll talk about later. And then on Friday after work, I went and saw Zola. Now my experience was probably a little bit different as me and Oksana got a small bottle of a uh, whiskey Hell and yeah. a couple of, uh, I had a Dr. Pepper. I believe she got a Coke. We dumped them half out and filled it. Um, It was Terrell's idea, so I blame him. But we went in there, and I, you know, it's hard to guess what this film was going to be about, like tonally. Yeah. Like, is it going to be a good time, or are we going to do some heavy art house shit? And uh, both. It's really both. Yeah. Um, I see that's a good uh, comparison for sure. Right. It definitely has, like, yeah, the anxiety and the tension of good time. Like, it doesn't let up. And, like, by. The ending almost felt abrupt, but yeah, I don't know. It uh, yeah, it really, it really gets to you for sure. Well, the thing is, you won't watch a YouTube movie yet. You'll watch this film and enjoy it when there's like little Twitter notifications going off. Yeah, which I mean, I'm not gonna like. Kind of annoyed me at first, but then I, I don't know. I I was into it once it started going. Dude, I thought it was charming. Like, I think the the tweets were to indicate each tweet that the story was built out of. Yeah. So like, it kind of would tell you. Like, um, narratively, you would get a lot early on. Like, I think we were really sticking to the tweets in the beginning, but by the second and third act, they're practically gone. Yeah. And Clark, I think, uh, I think Zola figured out the best way to film a tweet too. And not just a tweet, but a text. Yeah. It was very interesting because there was voiceover sporadically in the movie, but like, yeah, the way that like the notifications were put into the movie, you could tell that like. That was her tweeting, but you weren't actually like getting the voiceover of like the actual tweet, which I feel like someone else, you know, probably would have done. Um, yeah, is like have like really have that voiceover like like in the whole entire movie, and it's it's kind of in here, but it's not it's not over overbearing. Also, the movie opened with subtitles, right? Uh, maybe I I don't remember actually. Yeah, I, Oksana, I'm not crazy, right? It was subtitled the whole time, I thought. Okay. I mean, this movie has so much style going on that things like come in and out, and it all feels very fluid. Um, Clark, the text thing, though. So when people are texting, what you would get is a camera uh, positioned where their phone would be, and them talking out the text. And what you get is a good illustration of just how people pay attention to their phone so if there's like people around them they they don't play in like you'll see them there and they'll be talking or doing whatever but it's very muted and then you'll have somebody going like hey girl what's up hit me back but they're just looking directly into the camera yeah and then it would cut to another person to be like damn girl already you're texting and it was like it felt natural it was a little confronting but it was very it illustrated perfectly the like direct conversation um this movie was full of interesting camera work like that. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing, though, because I'm going to try and keep this short, Randy. I'm sorry. No, you're good. The way that 
women's sexuality and like the act of sex were filmed was so dynamic. Like um, one of the tweets that was most popular, I believe, was uh, Zola articulating trying to go on this hoe trip and uh, her boyfriend not being down. Yeah. So I think she said something along the line of, I had to fuck him calm. And in the movie, she is like, you know, she's boning her dude. Just the way it's filmed, we're right up in there with them. And uh, I would say it's less like raunchy and more like in the lovemaking end. Like they're having a conversation. Uh, they ask each other if things feel good or not. And you you get the sense that the two are pretty close, even though we're, you know, it's people like doing it. And that's the last time we see it portrayed that way in the movie. And I really think everything is very calculated. We move from like this kind of like beautiful moment between a couple being open to like gross dudes walking in off the street yeah. where the only nudity in this movie is upfront shots of their junk. Yeah. In like uh, a wiener montage. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was fun. And, but, it, but I mean, it's like that montage is also mixed with Zola changing the bed sheets. Yeah. And it, it, they do, man, it's such a good job of painting a clear distinction between like women's sexuality and just like there, there's the theme of like sex work in here too, because they go down to like, you know, work in a strip club. And it's filmed like a fucking fashion runway and they're made up and it's, it's raunchy, but like they look beautiful. They're in control. And then when we move out onto the street, everything takes a tilt. Um, now you're familiar with the tweet aspect, Clark, but did you, or did you actually read the whole 148? No. Okay. I did. I got obsessed with this film and I read all that. Then I also read, uh, the, um, What's the white girl's name in the movie? Oh, Randy? Stephanie. Yeah, she did like a Reddit post, I guess, too, after the tweets came out, which was did cool. Did you read that? No, I didn't. Um, but yeah, it was cool how in the movie, um, you kind of see Stephanie tell her story as well. Yeah, they they give like her changes a part perspective. Where, yeah, yeah, and she takes over, and the narration in the film style changes. It's very funny too. Yeah, it's funny, and I went and I read her Reddit write up, and. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like style in this film that was mm -hmm. kind of like uh, even the story's embellished and um, the actual Zola's come out and said like, oh, you know, a couple things didn't happen. But, you know, I was just uh, to be fair, her 148 tweets she originally did. She pulled it down twice and altered the story both times. Yeah. But the third time, it's mostly true. There is a lot of argument between what actually went down between her and Jessica, yeah. which is the girl's real name. And it's pretty like, I don't know. There's some shit I would talk about, but Clark, you got to watch it. Um, I highly recommend a uh, dude. I've been thinking about this all week along with pets cop. So. Right. <laughs> I have a proposition. Oh no. I, I don't know if I could go out again. Proposition one. We stick with in and out. Okay. Proposition two. We go see Zola in 40 minutes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Our proposition three. We don't do any of that. I'd be down to do in and out and watch a movie here. Just my week was, uh, we did Wednesday at the Roxy Thursday. I went to the mall to watch I a movie. I'm going to talk about Friday. I, I watched Zola. I don't want to go out. Either. Saturday. We did a, <laughs> what the fuck do we do Saturday? Oh, we played D and D. That's my rest day. Sunday. We watched five movies in a marathon while hosting. And then Monday. I don't know. These are fair points. 
I would see it again, though. But... I would, too. All right, let's go to yeah, one. Same. Okay. <laughs> the movie I want to talk about, now, we'll watch a lot of films um, in the past few days. Great for me. I live a wonderful, fruitful life. One of the films I want to talk about now is Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move, which I didn't know about until the day I watched it on Saturday. Because why? Because I listened to him on WTF with Mark Marin, and he's like, hey, I have a new movie on HBO. And I said, okay. So I watched that, and it's great. Russell, your turn. Oh, nothing? Really? Here's the thing. It's... What's it about? So, it is a... Uh, it's noirish. Now, I understand that you are... So, uh, so that makes it what? Neo-noir Neo-noir. Now? It can't be noirish. Because it's gotta be from 19... 19- Fuck you. To there's the there's a window big, in whatever there. it is. Yeah. Yeah. The movie does take place in the 50s, though. But yeah. Made, yeah. Neo today. Which is fine. Also, it's mm, Randy, explain the lens that he used in this thing. <laughs> uh, so it's like an anamorphic, like very wide lens. And so with wide lenses, um, things get really distorted towards the edges of the frame. Um, so yeah, you get some kind of weird looking visuals. Um, every once in a while, like if someone like walks, you know, to the left of frame, like, yeah, their body like kind of like warps and it like gets kind of weird. There's one there's one in particular that I love. Um, and he said he did that. And I listened to the interview with uh, yeah, same. The, which was great. And he was talking about he's like, it's just a reminder that you're watching a movie. Yeah. And um, one of the, the scene that I love that that anamorphic lens really stood out is like, um we're centered on Don Cheadle and he's in a doorway, but to his right shoulder is a car. And if you know the cars in the 1950s, they're all enormous, enormous cars. And it is like this tiny little Hudson that looks like a, a Tykes car, a little toy Tykes car. It's great. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Movie's a lot of fun. I dug it. Um, so yeah, so it's a neo-noir and essentially the whole time it's, so what happens is that the movie opens up with the great Brendan Fraser, who I will say Brendan Fraser is back, and it looks like Brendan Fraser ate previous Brendan <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> yeah. He is enormous. He is almost unrecognizable until you see his bulging eyes, and then he's like, "Oh, there's my guy. Where's the mummy?" <laughs> By the way, mummy, excellent franchise. I'll fight anyone who argues against me. I love the mummy. How do you feel about daddy? Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Brendan Fraser's name in this, Doug Jones. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what the th- fuck? These have great noir names. Are you sure it wasn't Doug Jones in you know, the Brendan Fraser suit? <laughs> right. <laughs> he could have eaten Doug Jones. Second time I'll use that joke. <laughs> um, yeah. J- Don Cheadle plays Kurt Goins. Then you got Benicio del Toro. The, the, the cast in this thing is crazy. Benicio del Toro as Ronald Russo. John Hamm as Joe Finney. David Harbour as Matt Wirtz. Brendan Fraser, Doug Jones. Kieran Culkin shows up. We got Julia Fox from Uncut Gems. We got Amy Simetz, who was uh, beaten up by that Randy, that guy Randy loves. <laughs> Not beaten up by Randy. Not beaten up by Randy. Right. Want to be clear on that. And then also there is a uh, special guest star who shows up in the oh, third yeah. act, unbilled, 
um, as they want it to be a surprise. However, you're going to ruin. I knew he was going to be in this movie because of who directed this movie, and it just you just you just saw it coming because you knew you knew a big showdown was coming up between. So the thing the thing with noirs and the classic um, themes and motifs that we run into noirs is always. Mass confusion is one of those things, right? Where it's, um, you know, we don't really know what's going on and then everything may be tightly, tightly everything might be loosely tied together in mm-hmm. the end. Yep. And essentially what happens is that Brendan Fraser is the middleman with this crime syndicate. And then he calls up Don Cheadle and says, I got a babysitting job for you. What a babysitting job means is that they are taking someone to another location, yet people other people, remaining people, are at that location, so they need people to keep them, those people, calm. So that's a babysitting job. Essentially, you're babysitting while you're getting something else done. Yeah. So he, they sent uh, Don Cheadle, and then also Benicio Del Toro, and then uh, Karen Culkin shows up. Now, these three had not met, yet Don Cheadle and... Benicio sort of figured out what gangs they were in, and they they kind of knew of each other. Uh, but yet, Karen Culkin's character was the wild card in this scenario, and they go to David Harbour's house, who works for GM, and they are trying to steal something from a safe. They get to that safe. It's not in the safe. And so David Harbour fakes something that was in the safe and gives a fake document. Of course, that doesn't go over well. <laughs> and then... Uh, they figure out that they got duped and somebody double crossed them and then Don Cheadle improvises and he and Benicio get out of there. And then it's just them trying to figure out who double crossed them and why and then them trying to exact their revenge and uh, it flip flops every which way. It's highly entertaining. It's so much fun. Um, Really, really enjoyed uh, this film. How many? Oh, this is this is a uh, this is a uh, this is a uh, <laughs> four. Oh, um, I don't know. I guess that's okay. Two point four two five. <laughs> Why not a five? <sighs> I'm I frankly, they killed Brendan Fraser, <laughs> <laughs> and you know I just wanted more him. They killed Doug. Jones, I will tell you dude? this now. Now, Randy, I I shouldn't say who the guest star is, right? No. I guess not. But I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Also, how good are they? I won't even say him or her. They're pretty good. They're always Man. good. What, honestly, though, one of my favorite things they've been in the past couple years. <laughs> really? I think just because the role was so fun. Yeah. Where they just, I mean, they just pulled their dick out and they're like, this is the world. <laughs> oh, God. You there just uh, outed their... Um, pronoun i guess potentially <laughs> i'm leaving it up for mystery uh yeah randy did you enjoy this yeah i did it was fun um yeah it just it was cool to see him doing like a, a noir thing and all the actors were great and the style was cool the camera kind of uh, was a little bit off-putting but i thought the production design and everything looked looked great and yeah it was it was a fun watch also kind of plays out to a sort of a chinatown situation yeah, I was uh, kind of surprised by the ending. It kind of had like a, a message, so to speak. There is a message, Russell Fisher. Ooh, would I like it? Of political nature. I mean, if it's a noir film, it should. Yes, yeah. and it does. Cool. 
it, I like how it's centered around the car industry. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> all right. Um, also, the Tomorrow War is fine. Yeah. Monsters are great. Uh, in terms of CG monsters, they are one of the best CG monsters I've seen in a very long time. I, I really like how the uh, white spikes, um, I like how they look, and I also like their weaponry. Uh, they are, these are large, lumbering, um, sort of insect-like creatures. I wouldn't call them cat-like. They sort of, they sort of run like cats when they need to. Because they, they are sort of hurting um, aliens. Uh, but they also have, they have a giant, like, uh, butthole tail. <laughs> and they also shoot spikes out of their body. And um, the biggest problem with this is, is that it's the, 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 the plot is overly convoluted and, frankly, stupid. <laughs> and they really could have had more fun with this. And it's kind of a bummer. So this this came out on July second, and I feel like they sort of jumped the gun where they were. This could have gotten a theatrical release, and it would be doing far much better than it was. This is a two hundred million dollar movie. Oh damn! This is a huge movie. Wow! And they just dumped it on Amazon. Yeah. So they didn't really go for the theatrical thing, and I think this would be greatly aided by a theatrical experience. Because I didn't even watch it on the projector downstairs. Yeah. I watched it in my room. So. Um, it, it would have been much more fun there. The story's kind of meh. Chris Pratt's great. I think he's a great uh, action star. He's charming. He's fun. He can be funny. He's got good timing. And he, he looks the part. Yeah, he's yet to win me over. I like him. It's two hours and 20 minutes, though. Yeah, it's a little long. God damn. It kind of goes by when you break it up. I mean, I just <laughs> pitched a YouTube video that clocks in over three. And I'm hesitant to jump into <laughs> to the tomorrow. It's war. not going to change anything for you. Yeah, I, uh, but um, I I enjoyed the creatures a lot. Well, let me use that as a pivot point for a film I'm not going to talk about, but I did watch right after we recorded. Um, we have a found footage shelf, like in world camera one downstairs in the theater area, and there's a movie that's been in there that I haven't verified if it were found footage or not. I actually only bought it because it said a documentary crew follows them which many a, many a time i've been uh led astray by that description yeah but uh, i we watched the movie called alien outpost which is supposed to be um aliens have attacked the planet we fought them off a little bit but now there are aliens called the heavies which kind of feel like a halo monster mm. they're like big orc kind of things but they have like heavy armor so they can't walk Never really got into halo the, the only thing is they're they're large lumbering and they use like plasma rifles. They look cool. Um, they're not in it that much. And the whole movie's about an alien outpost. It's one of the outposts in the Middle East that we have. Um, and it's kind of about the relationship between like the World Defense Army and like the natives, which again can be an allegory for like, you know, the Iraq War or something. And a lot of people fucking hate this movie. They hated Alien Outposts. Like, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, we're down the 20% area. The thing is, when you look at it from an in-world camera narrative or, like, the faux documentary reality, everything changes because we have, like, sit-down uh, confessionals with troops and shit, like, while the battle's going on. And they're very aware that the camera crew is following these people on the field. 
And there's a, there's a lot of cool shit in this movie. Somehow it feels like a big budget film. Like the CGI is great. The location is really interesting. Like more money than a 90% of found footage things we watch. No. Yet on the other end, it feels like tiny, like story wise, like we're getting a very small portion of something that like, if it was the Tomorrowland, it would be an epic. Tomorrow War. Tomorrow War. Tomorrowland is a Brad Bird film. Oh, Brad Bird. I'm sorry, dude. Um, I like Brad Bird. Alien Outpost. It was pretty cool. Uh, again, I just wanted to use it as a segue. Also, it is found footage. So if you're like us and you bought it and you're like, oh, I'll watch it one day, but I'm going to categorize it under in-world camera. On a scale from indoor plumbing to fruit cups, where would you rate it? What? <laughs> what? Now... It wouldn't be so confusing if you weren't a huge fan of bathrooms. Yeah, indoor so plumbing that, is the best thing you mentioned. Yeah. Correct. So is and that fruit good? Fruit cups suck. Okay, I guess <laughs> we're clearly towards indoor plumbing here. Oh. I actually think the acting was one of the best parts of this movie. Like, normally faux documentaries can fall apart with, you know, poor casting. But, dude, this film was rad. And I'd never heard anything about it. And, um... While I was talking to, um, you know, Thomas Burke of the, you know, the TBR report, he actually hadn't seen it either. He's like, oh, that was on the list. So this one's been low on the radar. If you're a found footage fan, check it out. I spent way more time than I should have been there as uh, the movie I had been teasing poorly because I'm not terribly excited to talk about it was The Forever Purge. I watched that on Thursday um, in between Zola and Sisters with Transistors. Great week. I had such a good time going out to the movie theaters regularly again. Um, I'll be very quick here. The Forever Purge was written by the same guy that wrote every other movie, uh, James DeMonico. He wrote, you know, all five of them, and I think he did stuff for the show. I think that's the problem. Oh, I forgot there was a show. There's a show, too. There's uh, there's an indie film God. called the, the UK Purge on YouTube. Oh, my God. I know Randy's out just because of the platform. <laughs> when can we purge the purge, dude? Here's the thing. I didn't realize it was by one guy either. Uh, we were hanging out with our good friend, David Robson, a local critic and you know programmer out here in San Francisco, and he mentioned it. And I'm like, you know, it really feels that way. Like it's one person's perspective on the uh, current affairs of America and kind of like, you know, a hyperbolic uh, doomsday prepper world. And this film, the forever purge, the idea here is that uh, when the purge is said to be done, people won't stop. And it pairs really well with like, you know, the fucking, hundred days plus of riots in portland with the uh insurrection of quoting of the capital like it's very like be afraid be afraid america will collapse kind of um town crier and i i am shocked to find myself say that you know it's probably my favorite purge movie mm. honestly and you know why because there was some nuance in this fucking film. Also, the bar is very low. The bar is low, but all I want, like we were talking about with Team America earlier, is just be fair to everybody. And when I found out that the Forever Purge was taking place in Texas, I was like, oh, here we go. I, this is the one I want to see. And, and but I, I thought it was going to be like, let's just shit on the South. Like, let's just really come after them this time. Hell and yeah. honestly, 
It wasn't. You um, watch your mouth, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we're dealing with guns, uh, immigration, with cowboys, with like white people who have a lot of land. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I'm trying to not give a fuck anymore. I've cut down a lot of my political shit. I don't give a shit. I really want to focus on art and like family and like community. And part of that is, you know, this political shit, the shit that they sell us all the time. It's phony. When you get in a room with people and talk, you'll realize everybody agrees about on 90% of the shit. It's the 10% that like people get into arguments about. It's the 1%. And the, that 10% is <laughs> really, it's really where the news pounds. And I don't care what the fuck you're watching. It's all biased. And I'm, you know, I'm done with that conversation. Now the purge, the main theme here is that uh, family owns a ranch and they have a new ranch hand. They're kind of mean to him. They think that the son who's clearly going to inherit the business is, um, he doesn't like Mexican people. He even says shit like, I don't want that language in my house. Like kind of outrageous. As in Spanish language? Yeah, as in Spanish. It's a beautiful language. And um, much more floral than the English language. So we're we're introduced to this uh, character as he's trying to break a, ho- a horse and he fails. And then they have the ranch hand come in and he does it. And I'm like, oh, are we doing like the mystical Indian thing here? I'll tell you, I've been <laughs> I've been too into CRT. If you don't know what that acronym is, good for you. And I what I pay attention to like racial coding and shit. Now I'm trying to Do watch. Do you have to have a medic uh, a t- prescription for that? Yeah, you should. Anyway, it's whatever. It really is distracting when you bring all that baggage to a movie like this. And I'm glad I let it go early on. But we do the home invasion thing again. Purge night. They have the shutters come down. And uh, we go down to the gun closet. He just wants to check on it, right? This rickety looking footlocker shit. I was like, I don't know a lot about guns. But I hear, you know, like our buddy Chad over at Scary Thoughts talking about like, Gun handling in films is so terrible. Like it, you know, it's written by people who don't know anything about guns other than they're terrified of them. So they really get kind of shit on a lot. This film, I I don't think that is the case, but I just know somebody who had a family and this much like uh, weaponry would not have a like dented up padlock lame ass locker. Cause I've seen the douchebags on YouTube who, you know, I got 20 K in my safe over here and it looks like a fucking Scrooge McDuck. Like, I don't know. Swimming in a sea of coins. Like just a thick fucking door that you couldn't penetrate unless you had that coat. Randy, you got a safe? Uh, no, I hear that. Uh, Mike Mitchell has great, uh, gun control in the tomorrow war though. Oh, is that real? <laughs> I can't do that. Well, fuck you, Randy. Anyway, I'll I don't have you- a safe nor a gun. What would you have first? A safe. <laughs> if you had a gun, would you put it in said safe? I would not acquire said gun. Randy would have it under his But pillow. theoretically, yes. <laughs> but Randy, you have shot a firearm before, yes? Uh, yeah. Uh, on a uh, bachelor yeah. party weekend. Oh, Whoa. would what? you have a Zola situation? What's going on down there, dude? <laughs> not really. No, we just uh, we did go to a strip club, but we were all very uncomfortable because that's not any of our <laughs> things. But we're like, I guess this is what you're supposed to do, right? And then, uh, yeah, we I shot shotguns. Strip club. Why you keep going? I can't do it. I can't enjoy it. <laughs> well, is that? Am I wrong for that? No. I, it's not. It's, there's no judgment in there. Like. I'm I'm pro sex work, hundred percent, hundred percent. 
it, that's not the reason why. It just, I don't like dark rooms. Okay. <laughs> and I really don't like glitter. Okay. <laughs> These are two of the biggest things. You get covered in glitter. Well, that's why they have shit like Chatterbait for you now. Or like, glitter. it's all online. Because people like I you and Randy like are agoraphobic and scared of mm-hmm. women. So I'm terrified. Of women. <laughs> anyway, let me finish this thing. Um, it was good. Like I said, there's nuance. Uh, to ruin the... It's not ruining it. James uh, DeMonico said he wanted to make a love story. So this found... It, this movie... It really follows two different couples. You want to make a love story? Yeah, that's what he said. And the purge? And yeah. He needs something else to do. I think he's giving himself too much credit here. <laughs> anyway, um, Texas, you know, people refuse to stop purging. And just like that's the, accurate. Just like the purge. <laughs> I believe that. Just like the first purge, you know, the real life situation would be yeah, people aren't going to kill each other. Like, they don't give a fuck about this. The purge is dumb. Well, in this movie, I think he's finally found it where, again, it's a bunch of white people who want to continue, except when we're introduced (laughs) to one of the dudes, he's in the back of a a police wagon and he's handcuffed up and he has a swastika tattoo on his face and he just walked out of Mad Max and he had been huffing chrome. This dude is such a fucking cartoon. chrome. Dude, he he is like... Good job, Randy. He's like Bane in Batman. With like veins bulging out. Yes. He's no, not that. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous. But I mean, fine. That's okay because I don't I don't know. The the story is really about the two dudes, uh, one being white and one being Mexican, learning that like, you know, what they really care about is family, and uh they're just misunderstood really. And it just took them, you know, fleeing America to realize this and um I'll go ahead and re- spoil the end. There's this heavy-handed metaphor where they sneak back into Mexico, yeah, and then our white couple gives birth, and it's kind of like an anchor baby oh, thing. Oh, it's a Mexican baby. Yeah, it's 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 a little confusing. Mexican it, baby, yeah. I don't know. I I think you would have enjoyed it though, Clark. Uh, there, there's a moment. Though. Where when they're fleeing to Mexico, they end up in a movie theater, and it's kind of a trip. Was it also recently purchased by Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> I don't know. He why. bought another movie theater in. It was announced today. You know where what? the Vista what theater? theater did you buy, Randy? The Vista. The Vista. I've just been told. Okay. No. Well, yeah, we were in like Austin or something in the movie. Joe Rogan will buy that one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It I, would he? I what kind of programming would he do? Broken Arrow. He, the thing. <laughs> Face off. He plays where Kurt Russell got his start. The thing. Oh, no. You know what he show? Avatar. On oh, loop. you're right. It's like right. his favorite movie. Fucking idiot. Yeah. They, they, uh. Who movie's fucking awesome? No, it's not. Look the other way if you bring in DMT. God. They let you rip bongs. That's where his head trauma is. <laughs> anyway, you know, I had a lot to say about The Purge on Thursday night. And now after watching eight more movies, it was, it's really kind of an afterthought. But again, um, the scariest part of the film, which I was not shared by the director or any of the people who worked on it, was clearly that the government showed up when Texas was burning and they had an order of put your guns down, do nothing or we will kill you. 
And you see him at one time. Oh, I should say the set and location of this movie are beautiful. Big, uh, destructive, like um, city centers burning. And there's one time where you get like a fucking stormtrooper invasion of American troops with like loudspeakers just saying, fucking stand down or we'll kill you. They're clearly the most terrifying element of that movie. Yeah. Not the goofy hicks that are like, oh, also... It really fucking sucked. There were not enough costume characters in this film. Like, uh, I feel like a staple of Purge is like the weirdos trying to get famous on Instagram. Yeah. By having like, you know, neon lights around their bunny suit. And they stare down the barrel of the camera and they tilt their head. Yeah, and they tilt their head. Welcome uh, to the Purge. We don't have really any of that here. Good. Yeah. We do have the Bunny Brothers, which are great. Okay. They were pretty cool. From but- Gummo? Yeah, from Gummo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gummo all grown up, dude. Now, I'll tell you that James DeMonico has a new picture that um, is in post-production. It is called Once Upon a Time in Staten Island. Oh, the plot is unknown at this time. <laughs> Described as a coming-of-age family drama set in the summer of 1982 on Staten Island, New York. This film features Bobby Cannavale, Pete Davidson. Naomi Watts, and the great Frank Grillo from the previous Purge. Wow. Yeah, I Jason Bloom said he wouldn't do another one without uh James, but I I guess a couple days ago James was like, "Hey, I had an idea. We could do another one." And he's already written an outline. Uh I don't know. He honestly, I read an interview where he was bummed that his film got delayed because he didn't think it would work outside of the Trump era. And I'm like, "You sound like an idiot." Yeah. <laughs> Like, you really thought Trump leaving would just cure everything? Like, I know a lot of us felt that way, but dude, it's still, like, divisive right now. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Optimistic, uh, optimism and nuance were not the things I thought I would get out of that film, but I did. I still don't believe you. It's there. There's never been nuance in a purge movie. It, it, there's not a lot of it, but it's there. Get him. I don't know. There's too many logs for me to overturn <laughs> to find one little grub. All right. Uh, before we cut this bad boy loose, Randy, Michael, anything else going on? Anything else you need to keep us up? I don't believe so. No. Well, Randy, uh, maybe there is. Oh, yeah. To Thank our so uh, to our listenership, I will be um, moving to Atlanta, Georgia in uh, a couple months, September 1st. But I'll still be doing the show remotely like we have been doing ever since COVID just said like, hey, we could just do everything remote now. So I'll still be here. I actually think it sounds better when we do it remotely, too. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. When are you leaving? Uh, Like two days before the first. First of what? September? September, yeah. All right. So that's most of July, most of August. Get your little ass over here for a couple shows. Let's do let's do the in studio. Yeah, in in studio. Yeah, I'm down. We'll uh, drink some beers, do a show, and go see some some flicks. We say Russell, we send this thing off in in traditional style. Yeah, I'm down. I'd actually like to do a screening before he left. I think we should uh, start doing that. I know we've been talking about it. Rent out the little Roxy or something. How about we rent out Randy's living room? Well, why don't we do it here then? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have big. a great TV here. It's too big venue, man. <laughs> I need a smaller venue. All right. Um, Oksana, anything you want to leave our listeners with? No. 
<laughs> I wasn't thinking. Hell yeah. Uh, I will say, when you brought up Cape Fear, the first thing I thought of was the Simpsons episode where they parodied Cape Fear. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the movie. I think movie. I've seen that one. It's really good. Was that a Treehouse of Horror? Sideshow Bob. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's good. I've seen like um, four Simpsons episodes. Season five, episode two, Cape Fear with an E at the end. I don't know how to pronounce that. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, again, I'd like to leave everybody with an apology. I uh, m- got mildly obsessed with Petscop. And I, I, oh man, I was really battling coming into this. Like, do not talk about this shit for a fucking half hour. I'm sure it went longer. <laughs> but again, if you made it this far, check it out. I really, dude, it's fucking cool. It's actually kind of disturbing, too. It's fine. I love it. All right. You know what I love? I love all of you. Except for like six of you. You know who you are. We'll talk about it next week. All right. We'll be back uh, Thursday. So enjoy that wonderful interview. Have we done the interview yet? No. It's happening tomorrow. We have an in-studio guest. Coming in, baby. Shaking things up. Shaking things down. Live it on the edge. I'll see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Later. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a dumb way to end that.